Well, this uh, is an indication that I have a secret to tell you, and the secret is that I'm actually on vacation right now. And so I have the privilege of welcoming somebody to the platform here who's going to be sharing from God's Word for us uh, instead of myself today. Uh, We have Sean Cullen. Many of us will know Sean. Some of us may not, though. Uh, If you're not familiar with who Sean is, Sean is the former former, uh, National Director of Power to Change Student Ministries. Uh, He now does what is arguably a more important role in doing uh, spiritual care and mentorship to the staff team across Canada. Uh, And so, Sean, you have a great heart for a great spiritual depth, uh, and I think it's, it's a wonderful job that you're doing with those people, and I look forward to hearing what you have to share with us about the Sabbath and Sabbath rest. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure we all are as well. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Mark. Well, it is a privilege to be with you, and um, uh, a, a joy, peace to you. <laughs> that is my hope, is that as I get to talk about Sabbath, something that I'm, I'm learning about, but I'm not an expert in, but I am learning about and, and intentionally trying to uh, build into my life, uh, especially over these um, last three years. Uh, it's a privilege to share some of that with you. Um, we're looking at these 10 words to live by, and I really appreciate this theme because uh, instead of talking about the commandments, which always have this feeling of things we must do, uh, and, and actually that's not how the scriptures even refer to them, but rather this, this sense of words to live by, these, uh, these pieces of instruction that give us and invite us into life. And, um, and so today, the word to live by is Sabbath. Before I get into that, um, it's, it's the fourth word to live by, by the way, if you uh, want to read ahead. Uh, before I get into that, uh, my wife and I and our family have been attending West Meadows for um, quite a while, uh, since 2008, I believe, and um, for much of that time, you've been supporting us in our ministry, and I just want to say thank you for that as a congregation, your support and care for us as we minister uh, to young people, to the people of, uh, of Edmonton and Canada. We just so appreciate um, your support of our, our mission. Uh, Nancy and I both work for Power to Change. Uh, May and June, I had the privilege of facilitating a mission trip here in Edmonton and uh, with a few student leaders from across Canada. And we spent time serving alongside ministries that help uh, new Canadians settle into our city. Uh, We spent time uh, uh, learning from our indigenous brothers and sisters how we can be part of reconciliation. And we took part in some activities of reconciliation. And we also served alongside some ministries that uh, work amongst the homeless here in the city. And it was just a real, uh, it was real joy for me to be kind of boots on the ground with, with student leaders again. And uh, I just want to thank you again for your investment in our life as we invest in the lives of the future leaders of our, of our church and country. <clears throat> One of the things I was able to help these students learn was the rhythm of Sabbath. We built it right into the trip over the two months, and so I'm here to speak about that today, Um, but again, not as an expert, but as someone who has a growing appreciation for this word to live by. There was a time in my life when I scoffed at Sabbath, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought it was for the weak and the retiring, and considered it something uh, maybe even for the laity, but I can tell you that... um, Beginning to practice Sabbath has saved my ministry, uh, has perhaps saved my marriage, and even my soul. They are indeed 
words to live by. And so let me pray as we enter into our passage today. Lord, I thank you that you invite us to life. That you've made us, and as our maker, you know how we work. You know what we're made for. And so you invite us to experience a fullness of life. As we open your word, I pray that that would be the invitation that I hear, that each person here today uh, hears, that they would sense your invitation to come to you and to find rest. Amen. Sabbath. So what we're going to do today is I, I have four kind of things that I, I'd like to do. And one of the things that I've learned is like in seminary, when you take a, a course on um, theology there, or, or even on like Old Testament, they'll spend a, a class on Sabbath. <laughs> and, and you usually have to write, write a paper and exam on it and read three books in two days on Sabbath. And so the whole, the whole process around how pastors often are, 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 or missionaries are taught that what Sabbath is, is disconnected from what Sabbath is, if that makes sense. <laughs> and so um, uh, I hope not to do that to you today, but there might be a little bit of that. <laughs> so there's four things that we, I'd like to try and cover. The first is the theological and historical background of Sabbath. The second is just reminding us of the need for Sabbath. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about the work of Sabbath. And finally, give you a practical guide to Sabbath. So first, theological and historical background. The story of the Bible could be told as the story of broken and restored Sabbath. You see, it starts in Genesis when God created the world, the universe. After untold ages of silence, God spoke a word, a word of life, a word of light. And into the nothing, there was something. And for six, six days, he created. And on the seventh, he rested. And on that seventh day, he looked at all that he had made, including people, and he said, it is good. It is very good. And he delighted in it. And he entered into Sabbath. There was no end on the seventh day, there was no beginning and end. Like the other six days, they had a, a morning and an evening. There was a beginning and the end. The seventh day was the end. It was to continue. The plan was that man and God would live together forever in Sabbath rest. That's not to say there wasn't work. God created work before he created Sabbath. But the work was untoilsome. It was unlaborsome. It was... It was a delight. <clears throat> and, and, uh, and yet, mankind uh, failed to stay in that state of Sabbath. And, uh, and it was broken. <clears throat> and there was introduction of labor and toil and sin. But there was a promise that God made to, to people that he would once again restore Sabbath. And that's where we find ourselves in Exodus 20, that God is reminding and, and promising his people that there will be a day 
of restored Sabbath. Jesus comes along after a long season of, of toil and struggle and cycles of sin and broken Sabbath, and he begins his ministry on the Sabbath day. And he says, today the promise is fulfilled. He goes about his ministry and he dies the day before Sabbath. And he spends the Sabbath resting in the tomb, rising again on the eighth day, the first day of a new age, a new week, ushering in his kingdom of renewed Sabbath rest. And so we find ourselves in this place where Jesus has ushered in Sabbath rest, and yet we're not quite there yet. It's an already but not yet. And so we long and hope for the day, as we were singing about, we hope for the day when we shall be fully in his Sabbath rest. And yet there is taste of that that we can experience now. <clears throat> and this is the story of the Bible. And the, the, the Sabbath was given to us, the, the, the word to live by was given to us twice. Uh, well, the, what we call the Ten Commandments were, were recorded twice. And they're a little bit different in each reading. And so I want to just read them to you um, in their different versions so you can hear what the purpose, what, what God's heart in behind the Sabbath is. So the first time is Exodus 20, and um, I'll read that here in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the guests within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The purpose in the Sabbath is to be like God, to be with him in his likeness, to, to rest as he rested, to imitate him. The second time the Sabbath is given or, or uh, recorded is in uh, Deuteronomy 5. And by the way, in both instances, this uh, word to live by, this number four, is the longest one of them. I'm not sure that means it's more important, but it, many theologians think that it, uh, it, it marks a transition uh, between <clears throat> our relationship with God and our relationship with our fellow human beings. And, and that it is the key to kind of transitioning from our relationship with God into our relationship with human beings. That it's, it's the Sabbath that helps us experience the love of God and then prepare to share that love with others. And so it's a, it's a, it's a key word in the transition uh, across uh, the, the, these ten words to live by. So here it is in Deuteronomy 5, and note the difference. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox nor your donkey nor any of your animals nor the guests within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord, your God, commanded you to observe the Sabbath. The reason given in the second giving of the uh, ten words is to remember that we were slaves. 
and to experience the liberation that God is offering. What stays consistent between the two is that you're to rest, that you're to cease. And not just you, but everyone. The Sabbath is a great equalizer. There's no one that you can say, you should do work. (laughs) We should all rest together. And it's to be reminded that we are no longer slaves. Now, you might think this doesn't apply to you, but I'll tell you, you are a slave to anything you can't stop doing. (laughs) So just think about right now, is there something that you can't stop doing? Maybe your work. Something is, well, it's just a couple emails. (laughs) I I I just need to get one off here. If I get this one off, then I can stop. No matter how much you love your work, if you can't stop, you're a slave to it. If I met you in the lobby today and asked you, how are you? What would your first answer be? Maybe it's not this one, but I know the most common response I hear is, oh, I'm really busy, followed quickly by, and tired. (laughs) I'm busy, I'm tired. That was my most common response. That was what I most often told people when they asked me, how are you? Oh, I'm really busy. There's a couple reasons for this. Busyness is a barrier to entering into relationship, to intimacy. And so it's kind of a socially acceptable way of saying, I don't know what your, what your second question is going to be, but I'm likely not going to be able to fulfill your request. <laughs> so it's like a preemptive, um, whatever you're about to get into, I'm not sure I want to go there until I hear it. And so it's a way of setting us up for that. Uh, I don't want to be vulnerable with you right now. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm too tired. Uh, people often ask me, how are you now? Uh, I've changed jobs. I've, I've started to implement Sabbath rest into my life. And uh, I've intentionally stopped saying I'm busy because, well, I'm trying not to be. <laughs> and... Uh, It's kind of fun to watch when people say, how are you? You must be busy. And then I I love to say, no, I'm not busy. And um, you try it sometime, just as a social experiment, if if you're interested. Because there's no mental model for that. They don't know where to go now. They're like, you're not not busy? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Like, why why aren't you busy? Like, you must be weird or or are you sick? Like, what's what's wrong? We have no mental model for someone who says, I'm not busy. We define each other and ourselves by what we do because our identity becomes what we do. We become enslaved to our doing and actually we need liberation. This is why God gives us this word to live by. The modern need for Sabbath, the the most pervasive form of violence in the modern world is busyness. Not drugs, not guns, but busyness. That was written by Thomas Merton in the 60s. And I think we've only got more busy since then. The full quote, that was a summary of the quote. Let me read you the full quote. There is a pervasive form of contemporary violence to which the idealist most easily succumbs. Activism and overwork. The rush and pressure of modern life are a form, perhaps the most common form of it, is innate violence. 
to allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone and everything, is to succumb to violence. The frenzy of our activism neutralizes our work for peace. The frenzy of our activism neutralizes our work for peace. It destroys our own inner capacity for peace. It destroys the fruitfulness of our own work because it kills the root of inner wisdom which makes work fruitful. What he says is that we declare war in our busyness. We declare war on our bodies. We declare war on our bodies. We get tired. We push our bodies and our minds beyond their limits in order to extract every ounce of productivity in the day. We declare war on our families. Busyness is a barrier to entering into relationship, to intimacy. It is socially acceptable way of saying, I don't want to be vulnerable with you right now. Busyness keeps us from those who, we, who most yearn for our, and even need our vulnerability and intimacy, our families. All through my 30s and 40s, I spent between 80 and 100 nights a year on the road. And I'm sure it's possible for some to do that in a peace-filled way, but it was not my experience. I'd come home from a three-day trip to Toronto and turn around and head to Vancouver for a week. And I'd come home and my wife would ask me how to go and I'd say, I don't want to talk about work. I'm tired. I need to have a nap. Somehow, we are still married. Even more amazing, we found enough time and intimacy to have five children in that season of life. But she bore the cost. It wasn't all bad, but in order to fill my craving for advancement and success, my family paid the price. You see, the speed of relationship is the speed of love. And what's the first thing Paul says love is? Love is patient. That's not a rushed thing, love. Love can't be done busily. The speed of relationship is the speed of love, and it's not the same as the speed of busyness. When we're busy, we declare war on the earth. When I'm busy, I eat fast food, I move fast, I consume fast, and the earth pays the price. When I'm busy, God becomes my bulldozer. God, clear the path, make a way. Jesus turns to me and says, consider the lilies. Look at the flowers of the field. See how they neither toil nor, spill, uh, toil nor spin, and yet your Father loves them. I've spent a lot of time in the garden over the last couple of years, and this year especially. And uh, I was observing my lilies yesterday, and I'm going to do my best impression of a lily. That's it. <laughs> That's all they do. I watched it for like a good 10 minutes. It didn't do anything other than this. <clears throat> oh God, make me more like a lily. <clears throat> we define each other and ourselves by what we do. We need to be liberated and here comes the good news. God invites us to Sabbath, to rest, to cease, to be still, to be the lily for a day, 
Rich Philotus likes to say um, that the Sabbath keeps us. We do not keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath keeps us. The Sabbath saves us. So how does the Sabbath work in us? What is the work of the Sabbath? Not our work, but the work the Sabbath does in us. Well, Sabbath, Rich says, is a literal 24-hour period without anxieties, have-tos, or shoulds that over time results in deep rest and renewal. So every week, if you were to take a 24-hour period without anxiety, have-tos, or shoulds, it results in deep rest and renewal over time. It's literal. It's not metaphorical. So this is what I often found myself doing. I say, oh, well, I'm kind of taking a Sabbath. I'm taking, you know, four hours here and four hours there to rest, and I, I feel good when I, you know, breathe or, or read a book or something like that or spend some time in the garden. And so I'd piece my Sabbath together across the week and say, here, God, here's my... Here's my 24 hours in the week, but it just didn't all happen at once. But actually, the Sabbath is, that, that's not scriptural. It's not, a, it's not something we can piece together. It's a literal 24-hour period. And often in those Sabbath times, there still be anxieties, have-tos, or shoulds. What are your anxieties, have-tos, or shoulds? As you pause here for a moment and consider, what are the things that are on my mind that I have to do? Things that are causing me worry. Don't dwell there too long. <laughs> but now imagine taking those things and just laying them in Jesus' hands. And saying, you know what? You can give these back on Monday if you want. <laughs> but for now, I'll trust you. You see, there's no rest without trust. And so an inability to rest may stem from an inability to trust. Lay those things at his feet, in his hands. As I was talking to Nancy, my wife, about this idea of a literal, literal 24-hour period, she said, great, you're going to get up there and just Tell me to do six day, or seven days work in six days. <laughs> and maybe you relate to her. And you're thinking, oh man, if I, take a seven, uh, if I actually took a literal 24-hour with no should-dos, should-dos or have-tos, or, I would just have to do more stuff on the other six days. I'd be even more tired. <laughs> well, that's not the point. Over time, you would realize maybe some of those have-tos and shoulds aren't so have-to or should and you can begin to drop them and experience rest and renewal. <clears throat> One thing Rich says is that if you started to practice a true Sabbath, the first time you do it, you're going to be really grumpy. So just expect that. Because it's a... What the Sabbath does is actually invites us to release our false self and rest into our true self. But we're pretty comfortable in our false self. That's why we go there. What do I mean by this? Well, the false self is the you that says, I have to do in order to be something. It's, it's all the identities, it's, it's, it's your roles that you carry in life that you invest all your value in. They can be very good things. Father, husband, employee, boss, 
son, daughter, wife, mother. Just list all the roles you carry, and each one of them you, you put some value in, and you say, this is who I am. And what the Sabbath invites us to do is set those aside and remember what Jesus says, or Jesus sees, what God sees in us. When he looks at us and says, I love you, I delight in you. Before you did anything, I saw you, and I loved you. I've adopted you as my child. I don't put anything heavy on you. I forgive you. I accept you. You are mine. I love you. <laughs> the Sabbath is a place for us just to fall back into God's embrace and hear him say those things to us and be reminded that we're not slaves, that we're free, that we're his children, that we're loved. The false, says, the, the false self says, the only way I can be protected is to build walls, is to, is to take control. The true self says, I'm loved by the divine, and his loving arms protect me. I'll tell you, the hardest verse in the Bible for me has for a long time been Matthew 11, 28 to 30. It was on this verse that I actually almost lost my faith because I didn't believe it was true because I didn't have an experience of it. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And for a long time, almost a decade, I would come in my times before Jesus and I'd say, um, that's not true. I don't experience this. Are you lying to me? Does that mean you're not here? That you're not real? And I realized I was trying all this time to pull Jesus rather than to walk with him. To walk at the speed of relationship even with my God. To be reminded that he loves me. <clears throat> This is the work of the Sabbath. A whole day set aside just for you to be loved by God. As Christians, there's two common approaches we have to the Sabbath. One is legalism and, and, and the other is licentiousness. So on one side, we tend to be like, nobody should work. Don't touch anything. Like, uh, you know, don't flick the switch. This is the pharisaical way, right? To, they always come to Jesus and be like, why are you picking grain on the Sabbath? Why are you healing? He, Jesus often saved all his miracles up for the Sabbath just to bug the Pharisees. So um, they'd be like, what are you? And, and I think genuinely they were good-hearted people. They just, they were like, the rules, the rules, man, and you're breaking them. You're doing stuff. You're not supposed to do anything. So we get all legalistic about it. The other side is licentiousness where we're just like, well, do whatever you want. <laughs> do work, don't do work, it doesn't really matter. It's all kind of like, it's just... Just feel, just feel good. If you just feel good, then, then you're keeping the Sabbath. Neither is particularly helpful. As Baptists, we like to be in the middle, and that's probably the right approach here. That um, we want to take it seriously. There is life in these words. 
it is a literal 24-hour period, and it is an re- invitation to cease working, to, to be reminded that we're not slaves to our doing identity, and that we can rest in our loved identity, our true self. If we get all shoulds and have-tos about the Sabbath, then we're just moving our anxiety from (laughs) one place into another. And so that's not what I hope happens here today for you. But there is something very serious here that is worth being intentional about. And that's what I'll leave you with here is a practical guide to Sabbath. And it's just three kind of easy things to remember. First is, if you want to try this 24-hour literal, and, and I'd say you should, yeah, try it. <laughs> it's an invitation from God. 24 hours, you need to prepare for it. What are the things that you're going to cease doing? I'd recommend uh, putting your phone away. That's one thing we did with the students when we were here, that we talked about it beforehand and we said, how helpful would it be to take a whole 24 hours where you put your phone away? Do you think you could do it? And these are all like 18, 19-year-olds. So like, no way, I can't do that. Like, I, it's, it's like, you know, it's a fifth, it's, it's, a, it's part of me. It's an appendage to my body. Like, I, I just do this, you know, phone, phone. Anytime I got two minutes, right, or less. Uh, if I got 20 seconds, phone. It's like, what am I doing here? I don't know, but there's something, <laughs> right? So you actually probably have to physically put it away. That's one example. But there's maybe some other things that you need to prepare. Maybe a meal on Saturday. You prepare the meal so that you don't have to prepare it on Sunday. If, if you chose Sunday as your Sabbath. So the day before, there might be things to do to prepare Prepare to rest, prepare to cease, prepare to not rush, to not rush. This is the real tricky thing. If you're going to go out to eat, don't try and just go fast. (laughs) You know, let your hands completely dry under the, (laughs) you know, like you're at the meal, after Sunday you've just, you've just uh, shucked a whole bunch of people's hands, so just, just let them fully dry, right? Normally, you wouldn't do that. You'd be like, oh, okay, I'm good. But just, just, you know, people might line up behind you. Don't rush. <clears throat> what you need to remember is it is finished. When Jesus says, it is finished, it is finished. There's, prepare your heart. Be reminded that it is finished. There's nothing on the Sabbath that you have to do. It is finished. So that's the first thing. Prepare. Prepare your heart. Prepare your physical space uh, to cease, to rest, to not rush. And then second, I'd say pray. Pray. Um, Eugene Peterson says that the Sabbath can be summarized in two words, pray and play. So the first, pray. The Sabbath is an invitation to come to God, to experience his love and kindness towards you. So spend time in worship. What does that look like for you? Here, we do it together. Sunday is a great day to pick as a Sabbath because we already have in place a whole period of time where we come together to hold each other in prayer. 
to be with God in worship. And so, but there's maybe other ways that you experience worship as well. Um, you know, a walk in the river valley, um, time in the garden, um, a slow game of battleship with a grandchild. What is it that, that kind of draws you into that sense of, well, sorry, that should be play. But worship, it could be worship too. The battleship game, I mean. And, and that's the third thing is, is play. When God rested on the seventh day, he said, it is very good. I like this place. <laughs> God was like, I really like this place. I love exploring the corners of the universe. I love picking daisies. I love the mountains and the rivers. And I love these people <laughs> that I made in my image. It is good. What are some things that make you feel like that? when you're doing them or experiencing them. Something that just makes you feel, ah, oh, this is good. This is, this is nice. Do those things on the Sabbath. Enjoy. Enjoy your food. Chew each mouth, like, chew each mouthful. Fully. <laughs> Be like, hmm, this tastes really good. Prepare, pray, and play. These are some things that might help you as you enter into Sabbath, as you accept the invitation from God to experience his life and love by keeping the Sabbath holy. As an imitation of him and as a remembrance that you are not a slave, but a dearly loved child of God. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that you invite us to rest, that you say, come, all you who are weary, learn from me. I will give you rest. Jesus, I thank you in my life that you have shown me that you are true to that word. That there is life found beside you. In resting, in trusting you, not just with the 24 hours of rest, but in each of the moments that then follow. Lord, I confess I, I need that though. I need to come back to that place where I'm reminded that you are trustworthy, that you love me. Not because of what I've accomplished or not accomplished, but because I am. Lord, I need those things. I need to be liberated from my, my self-induced slavery. Thank you for your willingness to break chains, to, to bring healing. Lord, as we hear this invitation today, we recognize that we are incapable of following through on these things without your help. And so I ask for those of us who want to take a step in learning what it means to Sabbath, to experiencing the reality of that, pray that you would grant us 
grace and discipline in the process of learning from you. We thank you that you're a gentle and lowly teacher. Your kindness and goodness to us is immeasurable. And so we rest in it. In Jesus' name, amen.